Well, here we are. Nebraska, victorious, beats the Indiana Hoosiers 35-21. Nicholas Allen, Bob, Bo, Robert, Rude in the hizzy. You were not at the game. You were solo dad all weekend. You were yeah. you were living the single dad life the whole weekend. I was expecting a just a exhaust. You look good. You look like you're doing okay right now. My daughter slept really good. <sighs> like we're talking eight eight thirty oh. sleep in. So I mean, it was a it was the best first time like dad to himself weekend right. you could have ever dreamed of. Um, so I mean, I I actually feel like refreshed. Well, how do you okay? How did you do the game? How did you watch the game? So I had to tape the game. Okay. And put her to bed and then. Yeah, because that's right in bedtime. Like, yes. You know, that's 630 to 730s right. bedtime, tub time, all this. We did the whole thing taped. Now, this game went long, though. This was the longest game in the world. I had to tape, I think, three shows, like three different shows yes. after the game just to make sure I didn't miss it. Right. And thank goodness I did it because, like, it, it was like the third quarter was halfway through and the game cast was done for the recording. So when they really, yeah, you know how you like, you yeah, yeah, right. It yeah. was like three and a half quarters was like the normal it's, TV length. I will say, section. do we need to start telling people like we need to a lot? How it's almost rare that a you record unless you're unless it's like Iowa, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's like we're done. And like, it's like yeah. down in ninety minutes, a lot of punts, a lot of run the clock. That's all. They go it is. off again when when Iowa, Wisconsin play. They go off. You're the old off air. Like see you tomorrow. Like yeah. yes, it's just done. That's yeah, all it is. But. Every game now, it's rare that it's in its allotted thing that you record on your DVR. But but this game was spectacularly long. It, it was that had to have been brutal to be at the stadium for. Oh man, I mean the amount of penalties, like twenty three combined penalties. Yeah, I mean the first half you thought there's no way you could have that many penalties in one, and they almost did it again in the second half. You're right, like, golly. Well, and we're gonna get. I mean, I'm a bunch of. I have six big broad topics I want to hit on, and they're all super. Like we're gonna talk about the offense, the defense. That's really what we are: offense, defense, special teams, penalties is yeah. one of the things I want to get into. There can never have been a game in the history of football that had more intentional groundings. It's just, it's yeah. <laughs> it was, it was not like the amount of times those refs threw their flag and were willing to be like the next play to be like, we'll throw it again. You like, know that you bet they were like, God dang it. I mean, at some point though, like you got to just stop throwing the flag. You got to like, let the game go. Right. You got to be like, look, each side gets to hold a little bit more. <laughs> I know. But I know. That's right. Like, 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 if it's so egregious, right. but I'll, maybe we can talk about this more when we get to the penalty section, but like, you got some thoughts. I got some thoughts. Yeah, but the guy, Gus Fring, is what he looked like from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad was like the the main official. That's what he looked like. <laughs> Gustavo? Gustavo. No, I can't I can't think of his his voice now, but that's what he kind of looked like. That guy was like a superstar last night. Yeah, he was he was, he was all on, over he was the place. The a lot. But we're gonna get into penalties because yeah. there's a lot to discuss there. Overall, can I can I can I start with this with you? Any any roadmap? to salvaging the season, giving this season any hope, and giving Mickey any sort of legitimate shot at being the head coach next season had to involve winning Saturday against Indiana. Any way you slice it. Yeah. Like it had to happen. Yeah. So from that standpoint, Saturday's result was huge because all it did, it kept a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Like it kept hope, interest, Mickey's chances of being the head coach, all of those things would have just kerplatted if they wouldn't have won that game. So I get it. The season's been straight out of Nightmare on Elm Street, but 
last night had to happen to keep the season somewhat like I am exponentially more interested in the season today than I was a week ago. I mean, a week ago at this time, we all were like glad there wasn't a game and collective interest was maybe in the Nebraska football history. In my, I know in my lifetime, the lowest it's ever been. Yeah. But you know, one week goes by, we win a game and the rest of the Big Ten West sucked, loses, sucks, and collectively loses. Right. Like the teams that we expect yes. to be good. Right. Wisconsin's 0 and 2 and all that stuff. Like Wisconsin, in, the, in the Big Ten. Iowa, Minnesota all lose. And, and then you just, you, you know, we're going to be very careful to not get ahead of ourselves. I know. It's hard. Guilty, I, guilty, guilty. Right. Of but misabuse of optimism. Misabuse of optimism. <laughs> guilty on all charges. Guilty because on all charges. Anybody that listens to this, you and I are prone to Kool-Aid, prone to positive. But I mean, I think I think we can all just all you can all you can do is react to the moment. And when a new set of circumstances gets presented to it presented to us, I will arrive at a new conclusion. And now you want to be able to provide perspective and see through the muck. And listen, this team still has a ton of issues. But all I'm saying is the rest of the Big Ten West has a ton of issues. And it just last that game kept my interest level is just way higher. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, let's I was in like let I want to watch Lance Leipold. I want to watch Dave Aranda. I want to watch Matt Campbell. I want to I'm now like, let's get into what happens with this coach. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I mean, who knows? I I kind of I sent out a text. I thought it was like a go. Am I am I crazy? Like you know, before the game was played, it was like I was like, Wisconsin gets bludgeoned. Yes. Minnesota gets beat at at home. To Purdue. To Purdue. Iowa gets smacked. Um Oklahoma gets smacked. Martinez is playing out of his mind. Just running and like, running so wild. Like, everything I thought I knew, I feel like I don't I don't understand anything. And then Nebraska kind of does the same thing. They like play a winning game by, you know, know, winning in the fourth quarter and doing some of the things we're like, they were incapable of doing. So I feel like right now I'm trying to like almost reassess, like the world is upside down. And for Nebraska, that's almost a good thing this week. Yes. That it's upside down for them. I think one of the things, one of the through lines through the past, every year we've done the recap pods is we sit here and after a lot of the frost games and, and the frost era, we sit here and go, I don't understand what's going on. But even within that lack of understanding, what was understandable about it was the inexplicable nature of how they always find a way to beat themselves. Like that was the one thing you could always count on. Like I'm really lost right now with this team, this season. Um, Ultimately you only got to everything's a season's relative to the rest of the teams you're playing against. I'm not, I look around and I just don't think Iowa's great. I don't think Wisconsin's great. I don't think Purdue is great. I don't think a lot of these teams are are great, and I certainly don't think Nebraska's great. And just my opinion on on where that team was at a week ago compared to now, I don't want to. I mean, it's changed a little bit. I mean, they 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 performed much better than I anticipated them yeah. before. I think I I think I would have picked. I'm not sure what we even if we even picked on the wine pod. I did a prediction. I can't even remember you now. Too much Nebraska. I think it was like 34, 31 or something. Maybe like I did. I mean, I, I, but I was halfway expecting Indiana to come win this game. It, it's just hard. I didn't know really. I hadn't got to watch Indiana yet. And, and they were okay. They weren't great at all. No. I mean, they, they looked to me like they were, 
uh, a pretty average Big Ten team, but they beat Illinois. So they're good enough to beat the team that just beat Wisconsin. Like, so I'll take any, like, it's been so long since we've had a Big Ten win. Right. That, to me, that was like a revelation. Like, you could feel the, the state and you could feel the team, like, that win they needed. They needed a Big Ten win in the worst way. And I will say, and, and I know it's easy to always brag on them, but like I thought the, the crowd looked like it was great. The stadium looked full. Like yeah. it still is amazing to think about how little winning has ensued and these fans keep on coming out, man. Like it's, fans. it's got really fans. impressive. The fact that they were even there. I mean, yeah, maybe we as fans complain a little too much and we're, we have too high standards, but like the fact that they keep selling it out, Nick, it's kind of unbelievable. It really is. So, like I said, I got six big, broad topics. We're going to get into the details of them, but I want to talk about the defense, the offense, the penalties, the special teams. I want to talk about Mickey Joseph and some in the postgame locker room and just Mickey in general. And then I have a big takeaway from this game. Again, we're going to get into the details, but let's get into it. That's kind of the menu. We get for, to actually recap a game. Like, I know. I, I, I was thinking about it. I go, when was the lot? We didn't do it this year almost. I know. everything's even, Everything's gone to yeah. the big picture stuff. Northwestern, we... I think we talked about the onside, the onside kick, kick for 30 for, minutes. For like 45 like, minutes. We kind of got into it, but yeah. really it's like the other three games were just like the wheels were coming off. No so question. We like, let's not even talk about the game. So real quick on Indiana, I think it is important to preface everything with, uh, with, and this isn't to take away from Nebraska. Indiana was out there. They're a team that wants to throw it around the yard, play fast, and didn't have their top two receivers. That so, I mean, that helps. Okay. But I know for me, at least, all eyes are going to be on the defense. First game, Bill Bush, defensive coordinator. I was really curious to see if there'd be some sort of noticeable, discernible difference. They had a bye week to work on some different things. They played some different guys a little bit more. Tell you what, Bo, and I really want to pick your brain on this. Outside of the two drives at the end of the first half for Indiana, it's hard to complain about what this, I mean, the defense, think about it. So the first half, let me just throw some numbers at you, okay? Yeah. First half for Indiana, their first six drives of the game, 26 plays, 74 total yards, zero offensive points. Then their last two drives, Nebraska got on their heels. I don't know if that tempo wore into them. They had a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive and a six-play, 70-yard touchdown drive as well. Second half, 71 total yards for Indiana, zero points. Missed tackles. Improved according to Pro Football Focus, Nebraska had been averaging 13.75 missed tackles a game. Wow. Nebraska only had six missed tackles against Indiana, and two of them were on that one run Which, where yeah. homeboy homeboy broke. He went two to dudes. one and said, "I want the, I mean, the he, shoes and the long God shorts." <laughs> broke them off. But and the other thing was more disruptive. This game, three sacks most this season. Six quarterback hurries most this season. Six tackles for loss tied for the most this season as well. And they were good on third down. Indiana was two of 15 on third down. I ask you, former Husker linebacker, former black shirt, former all big 12 linebacker, what jumped out at you? Anything discernibly different? Our defensive line was more, more physical. Like I looked at our defensive tackles. I thought they were more physical, like they were getting push. Uh, they were defining their gaps better. Um, just a few of those like pass rushes, right? Where they're like moving the into the yes. quarterback. So even that makes a difference. And then the quarterback has a harder time making throws, right? So they did a lot of things I just think were more defined. Like it was 
simpler, right? Like looked like to me, it was like more, all right, we're going to run some man and then we're going to disguise man and just drop into a zone and throw the, like the quarterback was a little like at times when we dropped these zones was very, you could tell like out of sorts, right? Like that's kind of like, you're doing a good job calling the game. Like you're keeping them off balance versus like, it sort of felt like the last few weeks we were being picked apart, right? Yes. Like they're, they knew what was coming. They were setting up where this was like, we were making them all right, find the read and, you know, make the play versus like knowing where they were going with it. I think that's such a different, uh, dynamic when you're playing like you got to make them execute something hard right versus like they're doing what they want to do yes does that make sense no absolutely okay. it, but i would say also too like it's amazing just how big of a difference being more physical and tackling better makes like we can talk about all this other stuff like if you are just more physical which i thought everybody just seemed had a little more thump to them yeah and those the tackles just looked they, they were much better yeah, I, bringing guys down. Isaac, Isaac Gifford was like tighter in the box yep. this week. Uh, and he made a few tackles coming out of the game. I think set the tone is like, okay, uh, our secondary guys tackle, right? So we still had a couple misses. Um, I, I still am very curious about our safety's ability to tackle and, and to cover into angles. I think ang I see angles sometimes. I'm like, the angles I'm still very... I'm very uncertain about the way they see the game and right. in the way they take angles. Like even, you know, I think Buford had one where like he gave up like a fade because he was and he was just like Yeah, for the touchdown. Yeah, but it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a remotely that was a, weird, that was a weird play. Because his angles were so weird. His alignment and his angles, like things that you just are should never happen. Right. And where how they break and where they break, those type of things are still, I think they got a ways to go. Um, but for the most part, yeah, like I thought like Buford was very physical in a couple tackles. Yes. And, um, Newsom was good. I like the new kid. So the new kid, um, Hartzog, Hartzog, he's like a, he was a, like a relatively like unknown out of Mississippi, but he was like, here, here's what I always liked about him. Like when we got him as a recruit, he was the guy that was like good at everything. He was just an awesome football player. Who's, quote unquote, too small or whatever, right. that the big guys overlooked him. But then he became like, you know, the MVP of his league. And, you know, in the all-star games, he was getting these, like, he's the dude that just is like good. And it's like, you know, they block a punt and it bounces to him. And he like scoops and scores. It and he runs doesn't it. Yeah. miss it. Like right. he's the guy that will scoop and score. Yes. He sort of gives me a good vibe of like, he's a football player. Like mm -hmm. he, you don't have to worry about angles with him. I think he's like, I might be getting way too ahead of myself, but I, I get a good vibe from him. It's just already. I, I totally agree. I thought Mickey Mickey had some good quotes on him after the game too. He said he's from you know just a guy from down south in Mississippi, and the moment wasn't too big for him. Yeah. You know, like, and it's just amazing though. I'm not gonna lie, I did not see. I don't want to make this out to be like that was you know hang it in. You know, it's gonna be on ESPN Classic as one of the greatest defensive performances ever. It certainly was not that, yeah. but everything is relative to where you were at the start of the season, I did not think based on what we had seen against Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia, Southern and Oklahoma, that this defense had anything close to a performance that it, that it showed on Saturday against Indiana. And so it's, it's gotta be a, a, a bunch of different things, I, I guess, you know, I mean, I'd have to imagine at some point tackling more in practice is going to reveal itself in the games, uh, 
Bill Bush, I, I mean, he had to have made some sort of impact because you did not see Nick. He made an impact. Yeah, he it, did. I mean, I didn't know what you can do in a week and a half, and they cleaned up some things. That you know, that's a team that goes fast. Right. They simplified. They defined things. I mean, okay, can you play? man and man coverage most of the time and drop you know these zones like all year long just like that like right probably not like they're gonna have to keep like evolving this right because you can't be too predictable but like the con like the guys are probably getting it like line up right you know like know what you're doing do it and do it fast and like everything should be a little bit better just from that alone yes okay now like these coaches are gonna have to do a good job you know scheming getting these guys ready that's a whole nother layer on top of it but like the basic layer level of just lining up right knowing what you're doing like we were blowing things like we were blowing too many assignments i mean it started with northwestern we gave like an uncontested touchdown i was just gonna say there was no but i mean correct me i'm wrong i'm trying to remember even the one long run was two missed tackles like, like there weren't any major bus it didn't look like nobody was just running streak free right like that is a sign of like we're lined up right we're doing our jobs now physically do it better sometimes. Right. But that's what you'd rather have. They're like the Jimmy's and the Joe, like Jimmy's are beating Joe's sometimes. Right. Or Joe's are beating. Yeah. Jimmy's, like, right? So I, I just want to see that going forward and then improve. We can improve on develop, you know, Bush's own, what he wants to be calling. That's fine. Yes. Like, keep doing what we're doing there. The other thing that all that this is, you know, water is wet type of comment, but it makes a difference, especially I think against a tempo team is when you're good on third down defensively like you didn't it's something we'll get into is this was the first game of the season where nebraska not just one, they they had one time of possession against oklahoma and georgia southern by like a minute they won time of possession plus 10 minutes and the way you do that is you get off the fucking field on third down so yep. that tempo does it like they could never Nebraska did a good job of not ever letting Indiana get it going. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just looking at this right here. So our third down versus their third down, they were two of 15 mm -hmm. and we were seven of 16 on our from our offense. So like two of 15 on third down. Now, I'm just going back to the Rolodex of third down plays throughout this year so far. It seems like every third and eight, every third and 10 it, they were at least half the time were picking up those like right. ones that you you should get off the field on, and they always like seemed like the drive was going good for our defense, and they let somebody get eleven yards when it's third and ten, and then bad things start happening. Right, right. So that's the that's the thing that like if you get off the field and you really make them earn it with like amazing plays versus like uh, just just stay, you know keep this drive going and like more bad things happen the more chances you give them and it's just as simple as that and we got them off the field right more of the time yeah and it's a cumulative effect not only in the moment but for the game too like it gets them going it takes away your confidence and then you stay on the field longer so you you get worn down i just thought the guys the guys were fresher they've had more pop to them some of that probably had to do with the buy but also when you when you are on the field less I, I just I think our safeties and our linebackers looked so much better because they were fresher from the bye week and they're fresher because they were off the field. I really think those those two positions 
the tackling throughout the year has gotten sloppy as yes. the game's gone on. And I think they just like a lot of those guys just didn't have their legs for under them in these games where they're doing like 80 or 90 snaps. And that's just it. So like to me, this needs to be part of our strategy is like we got to hold the ball for this defense. Right. Like I just think that's the way we are what we are. And like not that everybody's not better when you're fresh, but like specifically us. Yeah, that's what's hard. Way worse. That's what's hard right now. You could listen to this whole thing of like, well, guys, great, real insight. Good on third down makes a difference. But it's like you got to unpack that even more, especially with oh, this yes. team. too. Yeah. And you, you're just trying to figure out, okay, what was different? Well, one of the biggest things that was different was they finally got off the field on third down. They got off a lot. I mean, like two of 15, two of 15. Yes. That's awesome. So uh, I still, I, I don't, I still don't see a lot of, a, a lot of dynamic dudes out there that are just, yeah. you, you know, or have a, have just that different level of pop to them. But I just, man, when you think about the defense that was out there against Georgia Southern or the defense out there against North Dakota, or obviously the defense out there against Oklahoma, and then what the defense was out there against Indiana, that is, it is amazing the jump that, that they made. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to them. They, they, uh, I, I still like this. So maybe the most impressive thing to me of all the things the defense did was, they bounced back from having a really bad five-minute stretch. Like, their, that five-minute stretch, it looked like... You're talking about the end of the first half. Yeah, end of the yes. first half. It was like, are we reverting to it, what it we did? It felt like that. You were like, uh-oh. I thought we were, and then we came out, and we got stops in the second half, and I went, okay. Well, okay, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're like, we made adjustments. We made adjustments. Right. And they were, you know, like, yeah, Nick, well, we haven't done it all year. Like, we but just, honestly, what I think a part of that drive was, too, was it uh, Matt Millen. I kind of like Millen. He made a good point on those last two drives where it started to get away from Nebraska, where he goes, this is what a tempo team will do to you. It was the only time of the game where it felt like that yeah. that ball got rolling a little bit. And like I said, the first six drives, they had 74 total yards. Indiana did. Mm -hmm. In the last two drives, they had 145 yards. Like you're right, it was you could feel it too. I I felt myself saying they need halftime bad because yeah. yeah. all of a sudden it was Nebraska was leaking a little bit. And you're right, they bounced back from a from a really poor poor into that first half. Yeah, yeah. When you start when we started missing tackles, they were throwing like fades on us, like the back shoulder plays. And I mean those are. You know, those are hard to stop, but like we'd rather them. I mean, I guess we don't want them running the ball ever, but right. like, you know, making people throw like harder outside, you know, go make a play throws. I think that's we'd rather them do that sure. than, you know, pick us apart, obviously. Yes. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm just happy we were able to like adjust, rally, like switch it back, which I, that was a big step for them. It is. I think I've asked you this before, and I think you gave me a comment like, like, it was like the dumbest question I've ever asked, but you you made me not feel too stupid about it. Like one thing that I thought was interesting was like, especially when you go back and look at the tackle distribution of of the games prior to this, the leading tackler was yet four different guys with five. Like the like it was it was a lot of dudes 
making tackles. Yeah. And maybe that's a product of rotating guys in there. The question I asked you one time was about like, does it, can you tell anything from tackle distribution? Cause sometimes you look and it's like one guy's, you know, there's been games where Reimer has 11 or 12 yeah. and the next closest is five. Like this was very spread out in terms of who was, was making the plays here. Yeah. But that might also just be Indiana's style. Like where the, where, where the ball's going, yeah, where the ball's going. Sure. I mean. uh, anything else with the defense? No, I mean, I'm. I still think they're the Bush, defensive. I mean, the defensive ends, those guys. I'm very like. I still feel like they have more to give. Like they're they're playing. They've been playing well. I think for the most part. I just I just keep thinking they're going to start getting after the quarterback I, even more than they are. Like, right, Nelson. Yeah. Nelson kind of sunk. You know, put his fingerprints on the game a little bit but at Mathis, times. But I mean, Mathis, Mathis and Tanner have just. They've done a good enough job of like I think they they've you know been good in the run and they do what they're supposed to but like they haven't disrupted they haven't made any special plays is what I would say like special rushes special pressure on the quarterback stuff that I kind of expected a little bit more um, so I'm we'll see if a little bit of confidence in a new scheme giving those guys a couple of weeks because if those guys start playing really well this defense goes from yes like you know right now like not good to average to like average to good maybe yes and then i thought it was also good ty robinson played well ty robinson made a couple splash plays jason peter jr was on yeah. the sidelines you see him on the, they cut yeah, to him oh, one yeah. time jason was just suppressing suppressing breathe jason breathe he wanted to get breathe out. he wanted to get out there oh you better believe Rolls he wanted to skulls. get out there um but yeah so i mean anything else because i got a lot of people wanting us to talk about bush you know i mean it's just that's an impressive Good first game. Yeah. I mean, Bush has been around a long time. He, he's, I mean, he's worked with, you know, he's worked under Urban Meyer. He's worked, right. he's worked under a lot of good coaches and he's seen a lot. So I, I think the good thing about Bush is he's got a lot of experience. You know, right. he's been a coordinator before. So um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see like, all right, now a team's going to get to scout his. Yes. Right, now so you've seen, because he had the element of surprise coming. No one, you can't change a ton, but you'd have to imagine Indiana was like, all right, new coordinator. Are they going to run exactly? I mean, they're probably scouting what we did the last, and this is totally different. Right. So um, did now, they do it? Did it look schematically totally different? It looked different. Like it just felt like it was more man to man. Like we didn't run man to man very much before that. Um, and I think it was just more man. And like we, we really dropped and forced him to, you know, throw a little check down type right. of, or like shallow underneath stuff. Um, and we never forced that quite as much before. So, I mean, we, I thought their quarterback who likes to sling, it looked like he was searching for guys all the time versus like, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. But you're right. It's a good point. Now there's a little tape. Now Rutgers, Rutgers can look at it and yeah. go, okay, now we know at least one game, of what Bill Bush wants to do tendencies, whatever. Yeah. So we'll see now the chess match really starts. But, man, you have to tip your cap to Bill Bush. You got to. Bill Bush did a great job. He was a big part of that win and deserves credit. And your boy, you said that Reimer needed to go to the pool and make a splash. I knew I was going to say I loved yeah. it. I love I love yeah. that line. That tickled me he pretty good. He went to the pool. Yeah. Nick, that, have you ever seen a play? That was an amazing play. I think it, I actually believe he, like, left his – he left his, his guy – To come back. To come yeah. The guy, yeah, to go make the play and then to catch to, that ball. To, to – because you know he's probably thinking you've been there. Like I'm just trying to light this guy up and dislodge the ball. Yeah, and then it he had the presence to grab to, it because it, it never hit the ground. Because yeah. it definitely wasn't a fumble, mm -hmm. right? Like that was a bizarre sequence. But there. see, right? That's the thing about Reimer is he's one of the guys that is 
pool capable. He can go to the pool to make the splash. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Like not everybody can swim. He right. Can swim. He can totally swim. <laughs> I love it. What a or he can go off the diving board. Whatever you want to say. Whatever but you want, however you want to Reimer put it. Reimer can make splashes. I don't not They're most not, of the guys on our team cannot. Garrett Nelson can make a splash play. Yes. Reimer can make a splash play. Yes. And I feel like I'd be getting pretty generous with handing out splash play awards if I said anyone else really at this point has shown the capability. Isaac Gifford has shown a little bit of... Uh, I mean, he's to be determined if he's a splash guy or if he's just a lunch pail, get it done guy. Right. I mean, he played good. He made some nice tackles this week, but, you know, JoJo was a splash guy. So JoJo in that role was splashing. Um, but, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see as the season goes, like... Who's who else? Because we probably need like one or two more splash guys. So somebody just say someone's got to step up. Somebody in the secondary has yes. got to be. So it's Hartzog going to be it. Um, I mean, Buford had a couple picks, but he's also I mean, he's right now. We're worried about other things with him besides that. So, sure. Um, and Newsom does his job probably better than anybody else in the secondary. But he hasn't really been like a splash guy. We yet. got a lot of this in the secondary. A lot of a lot of this. A lot of I mean, and right. what I love is when a guy will will violently pass interfere and then do this and then hit him with okay, the like. Can I go off on a quick tangent? <laughs> I I'm by the way for the listeners up doing we're doing the finger wave. Yeah, there's a lot of no 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 finger wave. Okay, okay. So this is one of my new pet peeves. What you just said. <laughs> yeah, guys will do this after every play, whether there's a flag coming or not. Right. A lot of times the flag is thrown. Um, they'll make a tackle 10 yards downfield or after a first down, and they'll get up and flex about it, which I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 nope, we're not doing that. And then I saw a guy last night uh, catch a ball. Uh, maybe it was like second and 15 and got like eight yards, did not get the first down and pointed. First I saw down. that too. And yeah. I went, you got to get the first down. Right. And you don't have to do it every first down. Do it on the ones that matter. Like, I'll give an example. This was the year 2000. It was a freezing game. Oh. It was a big, I don't know, third and one. And somebody yes, yes. runs it, gets it, and gets up and gives a serious first down. It was, His name like, was Nick Bob. Yes. It was and a snowy game against Papillion. It was. It was a really cold game. But it was a huge play. Right. And you gave the first. Yes. And I, I think... I don't know if our coach liked it or not, but everybody else was like, well, it's Nick, that's great. But <laughs> you just you could give it there. It was right. an emotional, it was it, real. You can't do this every time you get a first down, right. especially if you don't get the first down. I totally agree. It's pretty rare now you see anybody. It's rare you see a defensive back break up a pass and not react. And this isn't just to Nebraska. This is like everybody. It's, but they are all copycat. It's a bunch of copycats. They right. all copycat the the guy they all see, and so everybody does the same thing now. <laughs> every catch has to be this, and every tackle has to either be this, this or, or this. no, no, no. Right? Yeah, that you just see, drives me nuts. I'm yes. just like, you can't you can't mean it if you do it every time. I agree. You can't. Well, you're I just love when it's like it is vicious pass interference, and you know you is pass interference, and you still like, nope, not on me. Like, nope. really? I think, nope. I think you're pass interference. He dog. dropped it. He got open. I couldn't guard him, yeah. but he did not catch it. <laughs> I mean, they don't cover good sometimes and go, nope, when the guy drops it. I'm like, you should be like, you should be pissed at yourself. For oh, that's so good. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't cover him. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Defense, check. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Offense. lot to get into here. Our first drives are good this year. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you could go Nebraska at the Los Angeles Rams, and it's like Whipple and the boys are marching lets, on the first drive. He lets it whip. Oh, he whips that damn boy. But that's what I wrote. Started strong, finished strong, really sputtered in the middle. Just sometimes it's nice to say it out loud. Here's the first half. Touchdown, punt, 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 touchdown, punt. Second half, punt, interception, punt, 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 touchdown, touchdown, punt. Our offense's ability to look really good and then take two full quarters and do nothing. Zero. Is, I'm try. I don't really understand that. This That's offense goes in the tank But sometimes. then they're, they're good enough when they're humming that I'm like, we got a good offense. But then, like, man, like, that game started to feel the same way. Like, well, now this is Oklahoma all over again. Like, we started fast and we just like fell in a rut. Well, and the thing that drove me nuts as a as a man that has grown to love field position and punting, could Nebraska have had better field position for the entire third quarter? They started every single drive either right at midfield or on Indiana's side of the field and were either throwing interceptions or punting. Now, a lot of what happened were penalties just crushed them. Yeah. Because even what was unfortunate was they had looked great on the first drive. Second drive, they were marching down the field, got inside about the 30, and Alante Brown, Brown, I mean, he tackled. It wasn't holding. It was he full-fledged tackled his guy. You just you don't need to do that even. You just need to like you occupy just need to him. occupy him and let your fast guy, you know, run by or at worst you get 3 yards. You right. know like you don't the only thing you can't do is take a 10-yard hold. You know, yes. you just can't do that. Because then if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a 10-yard hold and then Casey got a nut, got an yeah. intentional grounding and all of a yeah. sudden you were humming and then it was like after that the offense just went in the tank. Yeah, like you that that's the part about penalties that um that matter so much is that it's not just hey yardage, it's momentum and yeah. the feeling you have, the play calls you can run when you're humming should not mess with that if you're on offense. You're better off not holding and not gaining a yard, but like keeping the momentum going versus going back and throwing away 90% of your playbook. Yes, because it was 
it was the penalties were were the a lot of the culprit for what slowed this offense down. But nevertheless, it is pretty. They are a Jekyll and Hyde offense bad. Where when it's rolling, it looks pretty darn good. But man, when they can't get it going, it's it is really really concerning. And and a lot of that goes back to the offensive line. This offensive line is still a you know, especially pass protection, gave up four sacks, gave up eight tackles for loss. Still a major concern. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, that right tackle position, we're, we're still, I mean, we, you know, they 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 pulled Ben Hart and they put in Brant Banks, his BB brother. Yeah. Um, They're like, give me another BB. What other BB do we got here? Get him in. Let him try. <laughs> yeah, because what's unfortunate. But then well, what, did Brock, what did Brock Bando do then? Was he, he out there? No, he wasn't out there. No, he was not out there. But, but he felt left out. Okay. Let's just get into the big one of the big discussions was Casey Thompson getting benched and that wrong, whole sequence. Wrong time in the game, like wrong position on the field to do that. So I don't know if it's they were taping his hand, so I don't know if he needed it or not. But to me, they it sounded like it was like they wanted him to see, you know, come out, settle down, see the game. Not when you're inside your own 10. God, I just don't like it. I think that was a mistake. Yes. I think that was a, a very potentially critical mistake. Yeah, it could have. It could have. It really swung the game. You just don't like Chubba's had a couple of throws this year. So when he comes in, you basically, I don't think you're, th- you're looking to throw it. They know that. And their mindset changes. And let me New tell you, guy comes in. They're going to heat him up. Where Casey, they might not heat him up as much. Oh yeah, they knew when. So you're asking for it. to me. That's the mistake. Is you're asking for it when you bring in the backup QB. And as a quarterback, I've only thrown a handful of these. Standing in your own end zone is a horrible feeling. Yes, it's a hor- I can't, like you have a shower and you don't have a towel close and you got to do like that. Yeah, wet shower. What like you're, like that? You're just like it's horrible. And I, okay, so but I saw a uh, a camera. Kevin Suits of Ten Eleven had a camera on Whipple and Casey Thompson. Whipple was pissed, yeah, at Casey on give, taking that sack on third and two. Whether it was he missed a guy, I'm not sure, yeah. or if he just it did seem like he held on to the ball for a long time and needed to feel because it wasn't even like he got blindsided. He needed to feel that guy coming on him. Yeah. But it was a it, he was pissed at Casey and you could tell gave him that like, you know, sit sit down. You're yeah. you're dead and then kind of got Chubba's attention. But I'm with you. Don't like that situation. I also, and maybe this is that quarterback in me, I have never been a fan of or subscribed to the school of thought that you hear from people at times of of take a quarterback out, let them sit for a series, see it. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. I don't I don't see I've never felt like that is something that is like a great thing. I here's I, I, I struggle with that because I, I I think there's a there's a time and a place for it. Um but to me it's like is that also like was it was it were they trying to give Chubba a chance? That, or is that just like all I know is in the moment it felt like Chubba it, it was early enough to me that it didn't feel like man, this game has really gotten away from Casey. It felt like yeah, because it felt like it was too early for the like bringing the 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 next guy because um, Casey hadn't played. Now he had the great first series, 
Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, his, the touchdown pass to Oliver Martin was like, man, when Casey throws a pretty ball, it is like breathtakingly yeah. pretty. Yeah. But Casey had taken two sacks on back-to-back drives. And it's not like he'd played bad enough to get benched, but he hadn't played good enough to where you're not like, well, what is this? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I, I think I'm okay with doing that. Not that I'm a, I, I don't love taking people out. I, I think it's, especially it's quarterbacks, like a rhythm thing. But like, okay, if the mindset is let's give this guy a chance to, you know, relax, see the game differently, like Mickey said, fine. Um, I don't want to do that inside my own tent ever. That's yes. my rule. Okay, if you start in the 25, yeah. Starting the 35. There's a lot of things. Yes, totally agree. You know, yeah, whatever. Like, you, you know, like it's just such a different feel what you run and what you can run, what the way they're why the way they play you versus the way like when the defense has you inside your own tent. And you just feel tight and they feel aggressive. Right. That's not when I want my my quarterback who doesn't play to have his first couple yeah, of throws. So I couldn't agree more. The situation was was a bad situation for that. And then just me, this is a personal preference thing. Whipple and Mickey know more about football than I've ever dreamed of knowing. I have just never I think the quarterback position is unique. You want to say it's like, well, if a running back doesn't do his job, he's coming out and that's it. Like it's different with the quarterback is different. It's a rhythm. Thing. It's a rhythm thing. It's a confidence thing. It's uh, the the other guys on the on the field look to that position on a and, and it's greater than just. Yeah. It, it, there's just a lot that goes into the quarterback position. I have just never been a fan of. To come out, take a seat, relax. Because what? So, because the hard part about that is like, okay, what if Chuba? What if Chuba goes and plays? You know, he comes in, marches him ninety yards. Okay, was that just a series to sit Casey and let him see it? Well, then you got to start thinking about. You have to really consider: is Chuba hot then? And then you got a QB controversy. And and, and I'm then just then saying, all of a sudden, that. and and again, we're I'm I'm doing a lot of. I'm borrowing trouble and all that, but I, th- this is what I'm talking about. These are the situations you open up. Yeah, and, and so I, I think you have to be very, and this is where I don't know. I don't know how prepared they are to to have a QB controversy, but I, I'm the type like I don't want. QB I don't want it either. Yeah, I, and that, and so I just am not a fan of it. Now, it, all is well that ends well. Casey came in, finished the game. Casey seemed like he was fine. Uh, he everything was was fine. Yeah, but. That was a big sequence. It gave Indiana life. It got Nebraska. It, it lost all their mojo. Um, I'm just, I, I'm never a fan of of the whole bring them in for a series and let the quarterback calm we down. We, if we lose, if we lost that game, that decision would have been the screwed. decision. It would have been scrutinized big time. Yes. Because the game was going really well for us up to that And point. so here's the hard part. I think it was, and not to give the guy too much credit because of obviously who he is and how we did here, but I love Mike Riley, and this probably isn't his line, but he he always had a line, never look past something in victory that you wouldn't in defeat. Yeah. And I love that. It's a great like it and if we're sitting here talking about Indiana winning the game, that decision I didn't would like be it. scrutinized. I didn't like it at all. And I got another one that we'll get to in a minute. Well, bit, and then uh, side note, the other thing I don't like, real quick tangent, I hate the whole you're not down when you're on top of a defender. Like you have been, Chuba had been tackled. He is laying on top of the Indiana defender. Yeah. yeah. 
he's down. It happened in the Auburn Oregon national title game. Yeah. I think it was Christian Dyer had a huge run for Auburn where he kind of got spun around, was on top of a defender, yeah. but wasn't his body wasn't on the ground. I don't know how you you how you would write that rule, but it's like to me, Chuba was down. It's hard. They don't blow the whistle. That's it's just that's just a sad. Thing. Yeah, I mean, Chuba, don't don't take a sack in the end zone. I mean, right. Well, it's also, I mean, in his defense, we didn't, they effectively we, we, Grant, Grant and Grant, then Ben, ben Hart. Hart effectively blocked zero. Two guys. Had, it was two on two. It wasn't like they had, they were outnumbered. Yeah. It was two on two, and those two guys didn't touch the two guys. And that's where, like, I don't know whose fault it is. Uh, I mean, it looked like they were both they were both wrong because they both touched nobody. But like, that's the same thing with the defense, like pass blocking, right? right. Pass protection, like define it. Like you always got the outside guy, or I take. The, you know, always the, if there's two coming, I'm taking inside and the back goes like, it's just got to be defined. You just got to right. know what it is and you got to do it. And you can't, you just can't give up uncontested. Two dudes into the came end zone. uncontested. It's nuts. So I felt bad. Chubba's now our new, our new Gabe Irvin. Like I want to defend Chubba. It's like, geez, what a brutal situation for, yeah, I don't know, for, for Chubba to be put in. Um, Chubba hasn't earned my my. He's Gabe not earned Irvin. the Gabe Irvin he love. Earned the Gabe Irvin love. Here, you know what's yet. hard though, and as we move on to Anthony Grant, anything more with Casey Thompson? No. Okay. Or that sequence with Anthony Grant, he had 32 carries, 142 yards, and I'm not going to lie. Even though our guy probably got he he suffered because he didn't get as many carries. I'm a bell cow guy. I like that they didn't sub as much. I like that they gave Grant more carries. That's that doesn't mean Nick, that I don't like Nick, Gabe Irvin. Nick, 32 carries. I like it. That is the sign of a bell cow. That is a sign of uh not that he Anthony Grant is like the end all. I'm just saying though, like it says something that we're willing to give a guy 32 carries. I just you don't see that that much anymore in modern right. football. Like somebody's getting 30 carries. And um, I like it because it signals like we want to win this game. Yes. I've seen too much of saving people for the, the fictitious game in the future that never arrives. Like sometimes you need to give 30 carries and you need to. I agree. Yes. Oh, I suppose if computer it's starts a, playing some advertising <laughs> for a Dodge Ram. I have found you a speedo. Do you want me to purchase it? Like, no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want that to happen. Swedish made Swedish thong bikini for you, sir. Oh, uh, that's one for my wife. Swedish penis enlarger. Like, that's not mine, baby. For it's Austin not mine. Danger powers. One right. book called "Me and My Penis Enlarger." <laughs> it's not mine, baby. It is my bag. <laughs> Swedish made penis enlargers are my bag. A book by Austin oh, Powers. Power. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's what just happened. I wish I would have played something terrible. Uh, um, no, the other thing with Anthony Grant, though, that I like is there are times that dude, that dude will, will run tough. Oh, he's tough. He's a tough kid. I mean, he, he fights for every... I think the... Um, Mickey might have said, like, he, he was, was missing... It yeah, he was missing much. the holes and blah, blah, blah. Like, and that's fine. That means that, like, this was a bad game for him and he had 32 carries for 130 yards, which is like, okay, a 4.3 average. Yeah, that's not like great for him, but like 
he controlled the game in a lot of ways. Like yeah. we could give him the ball and he would make, you know, five when there wasn't much there, or he'd get that extra couple yards and get the first. Um, he was the guy we could depend on to just be like, we're going to win this game by handing you the ball all fourth quarter. I think he is without question, the best running back since Amir. They ain't Amir. He's better than Ozigbo, but he I'll is better that. than Ozigbo. He's better than any of any of the other guys that you can list that's yeah. been thrown in there. Uh, he's he's just he's good enough. He's good enough. He he's. I'm not saying he's great running back, but he's good enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know who else is really good is Trey Palmer. That's another guy that you go best receiver since. Do you go? Is he better than Stanley? Is he? He's different than Stanley. Different than, I mean, we haven't had a guy that can run like him. I mean, no. he, he's the only guy that I can remember, maybe ever, that can run the deep post. And, and outrun. I mean, he's running past Oklahoma. Nick, he's like big time speed. Like he's a, they say when he's even, he's leaving. That's I like that. Yeah, Trey Palmer. I like that. He's leaving. Well, I love even Mickey after the game. He said, we're saying we're throwing it to Trey. Just hit your back foot, throw it as high and as far as you can, and he'll go get it. Nick, there's not many guys like that. I mean, eight catches, 157 yards, one touchdown, and he's got he's got like he's got the he's <laughs> got the dangly earrings. earrings. You know what I say about that? Sweat like your you confidence. Got so much confidence. If you got a dangle, because I think like Dion. LT, like those are the guys that did dangle earrings. Right. Like, you are so if you, stupid confident. You cannot. You're wearing this. You cannot wear dangle earrings and suck. <laughs> no, you can't suck, but you are also just, it's like inherent. Like if you've reached a level of confidence in your life, you're like, I better wear the dangle earring. I'm going to let him dangle. I'm going to let it dangle. I don't know what it He's is. He's a dangle guy. It's like maybe it's like Johnny Depp, like you get so rich and famous. You're like, I'm gonna be a pirate. I'm gonna be a pirate today. I'm gonna wear a headscarf and just be like, I'm gonna wear <laughs> ten rings. I'm gonna wear lots of rings, multiple scarves. Yeah, because like, I am Johnny Depp. I think Trey Palmer is just like dangle. Like, I'm Trey Palmer. I think here's the problem: is when you're slow, like when you're slow, you're just like, yeah, like. I can't wear the dangle. No, but like you when it. you're that fast, you're like, well, I'm the fastest guy in the field. And I think I want to dangle Aaron. Yes. I don't know why it works together. It just does. He's, he's a good <laughs> player, man. You know, what else our boy, Oliver Martin kind of played well, came he, back from chimney rock yeah, from the, a year ago. We just got a milk carton in a day. His face <laughs> was off the milk carton. Found. <laughs> good news out of Lincoln today. Oliver Martin has been found and accounted for. Hooray! He was at Chimney Rock, got lost. <laughs> He's back now, but he so Oliver Martin was was pretty dang good. Yep, uh, good to have Volkalek fully back and and doing his thing. Um, but Trey, man, like Nebraska, their best wide receiver, best running back, like that are those guys are good enough. Yeah. To go on the field and let's, let's not waste them. Let's not waste their because I don't know. I mean, because does Trey have two years to go? I thought he did. Anthony's got two. I think they both got two years to go. So, like, I, I think we need to give these dudes the rock, which we're doing, which I like. Um, but we need to play well enough around them, win some games. So, like, one, they'll, like, stay here. And two, like, I don't know. Like, we got some – they're unique talents. Like, one's, like, really good running back, and the other is, like, a really um, – 
haven't had a special fast like, yeah like, like a like a speed receiver that just takes the top off the defense every game the, haven't had a player like that no we haven't seen that speed before he is man because the 71 yard touchdown was was fantastic and he caught a tough one he's he's caught some tough ones where he gets he's going to get yeah, hit I, and he's i don't know that he's like a great like possession receiver but he's like nick i mean let somebody else help you know help in that role but like once or twice a game you can throw it deep and you have a chance at scoring every time like right. it's hard to defend and their defense now always has to go well we better send somebody deep middle because that guy's on the field right if you don't it's a, it's a, they had a great all 22 cam replay of palmer's touchdown and they yeah. basically just got the middle of the field open and and let Trey just run free. And we do it once or twice a game, and we should do it every game because then they have to they have yes. to honor it. Yes. Uh the, the other thing with the offense, too, is for a team that has lost a ton of close games and really, let's be honest, the offense hadn't played well for a lot of the game. They scored two of their last three drives, 14-nothing in the fourth quarter. Like they closed out the game, yeah. which is a, there's a lot of confidence that could probably be, get drawn from that. And it's just so weird how like all of a sudden at the end of games, like Nebraska can kind of just hand it to Grant and like he can kind of chunk them down the field when well, they yeah. haven't been able to do that for a lot of the game. Well, I think that's also we held the this held is, the ball time possession. Man. This this happens to uh, to our defense. It's a time. It is. It's like the the longer the defense is on the field. The more tired they get, the more mistakes they make. Uh, you know, you you can kind of you have a better chance to do what you want. Um, and I just I think that's just how it works. And so yeah, because here I, I said so. Time of possession: Nebraska was plus ten time of possession against Indiana. Against Northwestern, they were minus nine minutes. Against North Dakota, they were minus thirteen minutes. Against Georgia Southern, they were plus three, and Oklahoma plus one. But so plus ten makes a difference. That allows you. You know, those the two yard run turns into a four yard run in the fourth quarter, and that's the difference in in maybe closing out the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so all, all in all, it's like I love Palmer, I love Grant, I think Casey's good. I, Casey good can enough. win you games. You know, his interception was that was more of a it wasn't a great throw. I'm not sure it, it almost looked like they weren't on the same page on the route, but it was a really good play by the Indiana yeah. defensive back, and it was unfortunate because it was right after Reimer makes the pick. The next play, Casey throws the interception. Yeah, give it yeah. right back to him. Ill-timed. Um, but yeah, there's just something. They got to figure out how to be a little more consistent. Where, yeah, man, think, when this offense when this offense sputters, they are. Yeah, they just can't. Uh, I like I like us when we're running the ball. I like when we like define uh, we our go. runs. I like when we pull. Like when we do, when we yes. just mush it. When we do the mush zone. I'm just like, have we ever done that well? I don't know. I just, I don't want to tell people what plays to run. I don't think that they know what they're doing. But to me, if you were to ask me, I would love somebody to track. Okay, track me the plays they've like down blocked and pulled or done things where like they get movement with their line and the success we get versus straight zones. up. Right. Like what's our what's our success rate on each? I, I would couldn't agree more. It, I know what I'm seeing is like every time we pull or do something kind of dynamic, good things happen. Right. When we try to mush zone, I'm just like, 
don't know. Totally agree. When our boy Chancellor Brewington comes in and he comes on. He did get a reception. Too bad too close to the sideline. It was a little far back. I like the goal line. (laughs) Call me next time when you buy the goal line. He went, that was unfortunate. Dude had to tiptoe the sideline for a two-yard gain. I get so pumped every time. He I love Chancellor Brewington. I mean, he has guy, T-shirts available. We found. I know. Out too. We should. Should we buy some? We should wear them on the show for sure. I'm all about that. <laughs> for sure, I'm definitely all about that. So Chancellor Brewington. Chancellor Brewington. Here's the problem: it's the amount of people tag they tweet at Chancellor Brewington, like, "Dude, this podcast loves you," and I don't think they've. We appreciate. It's hard because it's like. We're pseudo making fun of his name, but we love like nobody embraces like his role. Like, dude is just a stud. We appreciate and, uh, the little things in the life. And he's one of those yes, things. Like, I love that guy. He just he said, I'm going to be a goal line. Uh, the goal yards. line Grim Reaper is what I called him. Crackback guy. <laughs> Even on K- on Casey's touchdown, he pancaked a guy. Yeah. Great. OK, you know what wasn't great? The penalties. 12 penalties, 111 yards, had to have been a record for most intentional groundings. Indiana also had 11 penalties. What my if you had to guess what what the deal was. I would probably say my guess is Mickey Joseph had probably spent 2 weeks, maybe even 3 preaching aggressiveness, flying around and getting that effort up. And sometimes that can lead to recklessness and mistakes. But I bet Mickey probably felt like I got to get the effort and the physicality ramped up and then we'll maybe dial it back. Plus, there were maybe more new guys on the field. I don't know. Or maybe it's just don't fucking hold or don't get a penalty. I mean, like they called a lot of holds like our offense and offensive line, tight ends, receivers. Okay, Alante Browns hold. Uh, Borkature. Borkature. I'm like, that's, yeah. I've been held worse than that and it, like, so, many times in my life, and it never gets called. Like, the one they called on Ben Hart was a probably, but you know, like a lot of those are 50 50 calls, right? right? The ones that we got on our defensive backs, like they were uncatchable balls. It, they were like, I don't love a lot of those calls. I think there was a lot of touchy fouls. Um, they called one on Indiana's guy for offensive where I was like, I didn't think that was not. So I think those refs were, they were just like throwing rags. I mean, I, I feel it's like- amazing that at some point you would think that though they would have collectively been like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta like, it should just either be like this thumbs up, thumbs down. Like this game is like, we're not calling anything. Cause I, cause I, I, I liken it to, you know, when you play, everybody's in basketball has played that team that is super handsy, super aggressive. And then the whole line is like, well, they can't call every foul. Yeah. And there gets to the point where it's like, if you do that, you're, you're going to blow a whistle on every single play. And you, no ref ends up doing that. But somehow that was the equivalent of last night. They decided yeah. they were going to throw a flag on. I mean, again, there were 23 penalties. So the game lacked a lot of rhythm and flow yeah, that, to it as well. That's what makes this. It's actually hard for. That's probably the reason why this game is. I'm like a bizarre being, game. I'm being very reserved on how I feel about uh, our offense and defense going forward because, like, I just don't. It's hard to, for me to judge that game because of all the penalties. I mean, the like the cork cork ring yeah, so two of you, them that were not. I don't think either were penalties. 
and he got two personal fouls and an ejection. Like, how does that happen unless it's egregious? How do you get ejected unless it's egregious? Well, it isn't wasn't it targeting. If, if it was you get, like, isn't two personal fouls an automatic ejection? I don't think necessarily. I don't maybe know it's that. The, maybe it's the punch that. Yeah, yeah but you got to see it and know that that's legitimately. Because that was, what did you think? I mean, it was, it certainly wasn't. I mean, he, it was an open hand. I mean, he, but he was like whipping around, like in the heat of battle, like whipping around, blocking a guy. He didn't slug a dude after the play. Like to me, an ejection is like, I slugged the guy after the play right. because I wanted to punch him in his face. Right. That's how you get booted. Not I'm blocking a guy and my hand grazed his face. I'm like that should that shouldn't even been a penalty. Yeah, it wasn't a let alone at an all. ejection. That was not a penalty. Well, in the first one, in my mind, the first one it didn't even look. First of all, the guy kind of flopped. I think Trey Palmer. And then it was Trey. Too. I thought it was two things. I thought the guy flopped, and I thought it was Trey Palmer that shoved the guy. It looked like like Corcoran came over because. Thompson gets hit and he gets face mask. and he's stumbling he and crouched. And so, yeah. So like, so your linemen are taught, like go protect your quarterback. So he runs over and kind of like, is just like, not even like that aggressive. Mr. Belding it. He was like, Hey, 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 what is going on here? Come on, preppy. I like <laughs> Kelly. All right. uh, but but it's like, usually like linemen come up and like clean the pile and like drill yeah. somebody. He didn't do that. He like, was like, they're kind of just like scrumming to get up a little bit. And then Trey Palmer comes over. Looked like Trey almost. Trey was. Trey was the one to me that really put his hands on the Indiana guy. I know. And then that's what I'm saying. You, you it he, was. It's pretty that, amazing. That's our. That's our best lineman. Yes, he's so, our best lineman that got ejected for two vi- pretty much phantom calls. Like that is that's that refer. Those referees should basically be put on like probation. Like your job as a referee is like just call the game. Don't be the reason somebody wins or loses. And especially don't take out somebody's best player on two missed per like you can't do it once, shouldn't do it once. You definitely can't happen twice. Right. Happen twice in the same two two plays. Right. It was in the same series. Two plays in a row. Yeah, two back to back plays. So, to me, like you know, it's like that's your job as a ref. There's no like, oh, so we had a bad game. It should be like if that's what you do. You should be borderline not allowed to ref. Uh, I mean, you shouldn't lose your job, but you should be like, you're now one of the people on notice of like, we right. don't know that you know what you're doing. Yeah, I just don't think, I, I wish I would have seen the replay was fairly, was, there wasn't ever a great angle at it. And it just, man, we've all seen when someone punches someone on a football field. And that was. Nick, it's, it's obvious and it's egregious. And when it's not, it should never be called. It's football. Like, right. And so, like, maybe I'm being a little extreme, but, like, I, I think there's got to be a process of maybe they have this. Maybe they do have, because Mickey said we're going to send it in. Yes. But, like, they need to have a tougher process because, like, that game was borderline. That, that game was borderline. If, if, if I wouldn't have been a Nebraska fan and cared about the game, I can't imagine any casual fan would have wanted to continue to watch that game. No, because they really ruined it. Was it. Un, it was an unwatchable game. Yeah. The game's better if, like, oh, yeah, more people hold and uh, there's bigger holes. And but, like, as long as you let it go both ways, I've always and I don't fine. know, if, I don't know if it applies for football. I've always been one of those guys, like, I'd rather let people play than call it too tight. Always, always. And that was insane. Yeah, I mean, there, there is like, okay, there's times where it's like, 
you know, I'm, I, we're going back to basketball, but like, yeah, the team is just, they fouled. Like, so maybe like yeah. in the first half, you're calling a little bit tighter and there's more fouls and you and happens. Well, that guy's got three fouls. He's got to go sit. Like yeah. those things are okay. But long, as long as it's called equally across both sides, it's fine. It's just though, like the other like thing we were calling ones that like it's football, like you can't call ones that didn't really ha- like the ones that don't happen versus like not calling enough is so much, so much better to not call. With, 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 with Turner Corcoran going, getting ejected. One thing I was thinking about as that game was finished was in the off season, you Corcoran, Teddy Peno asked down and Nerlens Noeli were going to be three starters. Yeah. So they closed that game out without three starters on a line that already lacks depth. That isn't very good. I know. So it's pretty, I'm, if you're looking for like a bright side of it, like the fact that they were able to close the game out the way they did without Corcoran. Yeah. And then obviously without those other two guys, cause Noel is out uh, for the season. Um, but yeah, this, the, the penalties were, were brutal. Yeah. Real quick special teams. Um, Block punt, return for a touchdown. Kalarvik got it. Hartzog scoops and scores. Dominated field position for most of the game. Bushini was pretty darn good for most of the game. I wanted to ask you, were you a little surprised that they didn't, when Indiana was pinned at their own one-yard line punting, why safe? Why not oh, go after it? Um, I think that is, this is where I would have liked to see him go after it. It's like they already got one. They've already blocked one. This is the the moment where special teams coordinators see it the opposite they see they're going to be you got to protection yeah you can hold up easier and get so i get it i just that's a special team coach i th- i also think that they didn't want to ch- like it's also not a bad decision in the sense of you're going to have great field position don't do something stupid like rough rough them yeah rough them right but I just figured because they'd already blocked one in the situation, like, and just, I, I, I thought, I was I like, here we go. This is going to be, they're coming after this. Yeah. Thing. I think because we already blocked one, I kind of had my, you know, when dogs start foaming, I was oh, kind of yeah. foaming. Oh, I thought that's what I was, was going to happen. Well, the other thing too, what'd you think of Trey Palmer returning punts? I think he's, he's too slow. He's yes. Go. Yes. He's, you got to be easily. He's, he's trying to like, you know, he's taking three seconds to make his first cut where it's like, dude, just get up the field. Get up the field and go get 10 or 15 yards in those three seconds. Right. I mean, because I thought the other thing that was unfortunate about that was like you didn't go after it, and then Trey Palmer caught the ball and seemingly went nowhere. Go get for, 10 yards. Go get 15, man. And I get it. Punt returning, there's an art to it. You're setting guys up. You're cutting back. But, like, there's a fine line between being patient and being too patient. And I thought all of his returns last night, he was – being way too patient. I think he's, he doesn't look like a natural punt returner to me. You know what I mean? No. Like the great ones, they have a certain uh, rhythm, right. a rhythm to them. Like catch bounce break. The, he seems like his rhythm is not that I think he's faster. than Yes. But I don't think he knows how to get to that. Like the great punt return. Totally agree. There's a, there's a, like, there's a, I was a little disappointed art. though because he had a lot of opportunities to to have some decent returns and and wasn't great. It's an art form. Like returning punts is its own art form. I think Trey Palmer's something else, and he's trying to like he paints landscapes normally, and this is like 
This is abstract. No, you, that's a good way to put it, though. It's a different like punt return. I've always said point guards and punt returners are born, not bred. You're either comfortable back there returning a kick and and the moves as people are coming at you are just different. Yeah. Versus and same thing with the point guard. You're either comfortable entering offense. You got the mind for it. You got the feel for it. All those kinds of things, because not all good passers are good point guards. Yeah. And not all good, not all fast guys and good runners are good punt returners. So yeah. I was a little disappointed in him. He, he's uh, a guy that's he's he's good enough. Like he could take one to the house this year. Yes, like he has that ability, but he's never going to be Dewan Gross. No, that's it. That's it. He's faster than Dewan Gross, but Dewan Gross is a better punt returner. By the way, and I don't know. It's you see it and you kind of go, oh wow. I don't know if that's really that amazing though, because I don't know how much it actually happens. But that was the first blocked punt return for a touchdown since 2009 against Baylor. So it had time. been a while. Yeah, and Kalarvik. Got a hand on it. Like you said, Hartzog scooped it. A lot of guys score. would have just butterfingered that thing yeah. and 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 messed it up. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now, Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little bite-sized, delicious, all-white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. Okay, two more things. We're out of here. We almost need to get our... uh, Can you get your headphones on for me? Because what happened with... Mickey Joseph in the locker room. I think there's a lot to react to. Okay. So Mickey Joseph after the game, and I'm sure by now people have probably heard this and seen this, but I think it's something we got to, we got to get into anyways. Trev Alberts comes down to the locker room. And this is what it sounded like inside the locker room. So if we can get this up here, let me pull it up. First of all, I want to tell you guys how proud I am of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for how hard you've worked. You've gone through a lot and all this adversity. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of you. Thank you for representing us so well. But tonight is about another guy. His first win. So there you go. I, I also, Quite a scene. I also saw, like, I think it was maybe probably a little bit right after that. They had another one where they're just chanting. Chanting Mickey. Mickey, Mickey yes. Mickey, you know, it's because they were kind of doing it at the end after the roar. Yeah. It, right. If they would have kept the camera running, they they started chanting Mickey, Mickey. So we take the headphones off. But quite a scene. For Trev Alberts to come down to the locker room, give Mickey Joseph the game ball. 
I think it speaks to how Trev views Mickey and the respect he has for him. And then for the players to react the way they did speaks volumes to how they feel about him. Clearly, the players love him. Yeah. That the one thing that that scene and again, we're all riding the wave a little bit. That scene made me go. We maybe need to take Mickey Joseph even more serious as potentially being the guy than that a lot of us are already doing so. I, I don't know what happened after the Oklahoma game, but it felt like the narrative was like Mickey Joseph is out of the coaching search almost. I, I don't know if it was totally like that, but if you were reading between the lines, they were talking about a handful of other coaches way more definitively than the whole Mickey story. Like something happened after the Oklahoma game where it's like, ah, maybe that was just like wishful thinking. Yes. But Trev Alberts came down and enthusiastically yes. got in the circle and gave out a game ball. Now, Dr. Tom, I don't think, but, <laughs> but, but this is also like, I mean, Trev knows Mickey. Trev was a big part of Mickey coming back here, becoming associate head coach, assistant head coach. He's the guy he tapped. He built this contract as, which I I, I think, did you send me the contract? The contract, yeah, there's, yeah, there's the line in there that he has a three-year deal. and Whether that he's head coach Whatever or not. is not, he goes back to his position. But the way that people understand that, the way I, the way people had, had explained that, like Mitch Sherman explained it is it, this doesn't mean that let's say Lance Leipold would come here. This doesn't mean that he has to keep Mickey. Oh, see, I thought it was more like they're pretty much trying to, I mean, I think, I think to. they're going to, they're going to try to, I think they're going to try to do that. My guess is Trev or whoever, let, let, let's say they hand, they hire Lance Leipold. Yeah. I, my guess is Trev's going to say, listen, Lance, this is your decision, but I will say, I think it would be a good idea for you to retain Mickey Joseph. And here's why, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess for me, one of the things I really underestimated the hold and the connection that Mickey has with the fans. Like he has a much bigger grasp on the hearts and the souls and the minds of Husker fans than I anticipated him having when this thing got started. Yeah. It's funny. Cause he's kind of a, from a lost, uh, a, I wouldn't call it a lost era. No, it's, but it it's gets, an era it that doesn't get discussed over. a ton. So uh, this, this is funny. Cause I, uh, I don't, I didn't think about Mickey Joe's cause I don't really, really remember him playing. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I don't, yeah. I, I, so, so, like obviously I know I knew who Mickey Joseph was as a player. I don't I can't speak to remembering remembering playing. Mickey playing. So I, I have in my old bedroom, I've got a signed photo from Mickey. So at some point when I was six or seven, I don't know if I if I went to a fan day or right. something, but Mickey signed I have a Mickey Joseph signed picture. And so like he's there, but it's also then like then 93, 94, 95, 96, 97. Like that happened, and you kind of went, Tommy Frazier, Scott Frost. Yes. And he Mickey got lost in got the shuffle. Lost in that shuffle. But I also have a signed Mickey Joseph. Po- like, right. so Mickey's like a name. He's he was beloved when he was here, has all the, the credibility. He coached Omaha North. 
loves Nebraska. Like yes. he has that that got sort of lost though. So it's weird. Like he's this figure now that like, it's all kind of like, it's weird because it's not obvious. Right. It's He's not, not obvious. Frost that won no. a title and sent Tom Osborne into retirement on top. And he's not T. Frazier. And he's not T. Frazier. Hell, he's not even Eric Crouch who won a Heisman and no. all that. Like, But he's not, you know, Johnny Incomplete Pass. No, he's you know? the guy that right before the championship run, um, and then he went away coaching for like right. he coached in Omaha North, but then he like went away for a long and time. And he went into coaching obscurity. Yeah. So it wasn't like he went into coaching and you turned on the the Saturday CBS ACC game and Mickey was on the sidelines right away. He took the long route that got out of the hearts, out of the minds of Husker fans. But I guess that's what's been interesting is like how quickly he's got a real hold on people. And I think people are, I think more people than you think. Are now Huskers Husker fans are lo- the, a part of of Nebraskans as they're loyal and supportive. And when you're the head coach, lots of people are like, "Damn it, I don't care who it is, I'm going to support and root for that guy." But there are a lot of people that I think would love nothing more, not only because it means Nebraska wins and makes this season interesting, but I think there's a lot of people that want to see Mickey get the job. Here's why Mickey is so appealing, though, because. I mean, like you said, he went to obscurity, but then he ended up in LSU. So people have been kind of following him since he got to LSU. Yes. It's like, oh, Mickey Joseph's LSU? Like, people went, like, the light bulb went on, like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know he was such a good coach. I didn't know he was such a good recruiter. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, all that starts happening. We get him back. We see the way he recruits and connects with kids, right? Yes. We see what he does. Um, but on top of that, just like Frost, he understands what it means to play at Nebraska. Right. He did it. He understands what the fan base and what this thing's all about, which was like, you know, that was like the number one thing we said after Callahan and after Riley is like, if you don't understand us, it doesn't work. That was the big you got. And so like Frost became savior because of that. He understands right. he's one of us right. and he's a winner. Look what he'll do here. We finally found it. Didn't work out. But Mickey actually checks the same box, the exact same boxes. He's He knows what it's about here. He played here, and he's the guy that can help fix it that way. Like, it's the same thing. It's just, like, from, like, a totally, like, unobvious place. And there's a, uh, there's a simplistic authenticity to him that resonates with people. Like, he is never trying to... You never sense that he's trying to be anything else other than who yeah. he is. Like even I, I love his halftime interview is hilarious. They're like, "Well, what's going on?" It's like, "Well, we have to, we're playing stupid. We have too many penalties. How are you going to correct that?" Well, I'm going to go talk to him right now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's great. It was a great. Yeah, it was he, just he he is like uh, he's he's no, very matter of fact. Matter of fact, and he's really not interested in selling a story as much as he's just like kind of just lays it out as it is because as much as i've said like i do i don't mind pj fleck and i think he's a really good coach there is an element of of pj is trying to like there is that like showmanship to him yeah it's a you know they they call him a sloganeer they call him like like mickey's not that yeah he he definitely is um what's what's the word um i think he's he's pretty genuine he's pretty genuine with the way he just 
talks about things. He talks like he, you can tell he's almost like he's never been a big time head coach. Cause he hasn't, he's not doing all the like, no, he doesn't sound what's weird is he actually, he doesn't sound like a head coach, No, but that's not, but bad, that's not, it's not a bad thing. It's like, that's okay. As long as you don't sound like you're not in control, he sounds yeah. like he's in control, but, He's he doesn't have the like the you know what he sounds like more of is like an NFL head coach where it's just very like, you know, he'll answer the question. He'll kind of won't give you anything like, well, we got to get better at that. Yeah, how do you what do you got to do? Like, we need to all it's not really like canned answers, though. He's like actually like somewhat being genuine. Yes. It's That's really, I know it's, it's weird. It's it's a, he's got a very he's got an undefinable. It's a really unique way of he the way he answers questions and speaks. Yeah, because he's not being um, he's not being mean or short or cliche filled, but he's also not giving into like, you know, I always say that football's a lot like life in that. Yeah, you, get, you know, like there's none of that with he's him. not preaching. He's not. He's just sort of like just being himself. It's so it it's to be determined because this is new for him. Right. Like, do you have to develop sort of that callous of like. I can't give him anything. I'm going to talk in sound bites and just be done with it. Um, or I'm going to start sloganeering. Like maybe that right. happens over time. Maybe over time it, with enough reps, you have to do that. But right now he's at least his projection to the world is very much kind of its own thing right now. Can I, I had a whole topic I wanted to save for our wine pod, but we're kind of going there. Can I, can I throw some, something at there you? There are no rules. <laughs> Okay. You know what? And this is really borrowing trouble. You know what would be potentially a not a great scenario? Is if Mickey does, and this season goes good, but not quite good enough for him to be named the full-time head coach. Yeah. And he gets retained. It reminds me to a time when you were at Nebraska. Imagine if Bill Callahan would have kept Bo Pelini. Now, on the surface, it would have been great because you're keeping a great coach and you're keeping someone that the players have a great connection with. But you never want to have a situation where there's any sort of waffling on who's the head guy and that Everybody is totally behind that guy being the head guy. Because what you wouldn't want to have happen is it's got to be awkward if if you're gunning for the job, you don't get it, and you're now retained as an assistant coach. Mickey seems like a guy, if there's anybody that's built to lose out on not getting it and would still go do his job and wouldn't have any problem doing it. But nevertheless, what you don't want to have happen is – Nebraska hires Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda keeps Mickey Joseph. And some of the locker rooms like, man, that should have been Mickey, man. We need to yeah. hey, Mickey should have yeah. been this should have been Mickey, man. It's a I think it becomes a problem if the guy you hire isn't good. He bet and he and he better be a pretty dynamic because the one thing yeah. Mickey is is I get this Mickey knows how to some coaches know how to just coach you some coaches know how to reach you yeah Mickey knows how to reach you yes and have your heart and so whoever this next coach is better better have a a charisma to him 
I'm just now we're again, we're borrowing trouble. And this maybe let me make this abundantly clear. Like I would love nothing more than I'm rooting for Mickey. I would love, I hope when next year's seasons kick off that Mickey Joseph is still in Lincoln, Nebraska, regardless of role. I think it is in the best interest of whoever yeah. is higher to probably keep Mickey on. But I'm not, I'm also saying let's not be naive to some of the things that we're talking about here. This is what's hard because you, you said that and it's it's one of the you know questions that will never be answered is like Callahan keeps Pelini, who at the time was like the best defensive coordinator yes. in football. I, I mean his 03 season was like a revelation for the people that were there. Right. Um, the guys that were, I mean, it was like the way you and your brother talk about him is like that season was in its own way. One of the most impactful seasons of my life. It was just so it just felt like everything was hitting in the right cylinder, right? Which is hard to describe, but it felt like we were playing a different game than other teams. It felt like we were like, we're advanced. Like he came from the NFL and we were running like Pete Carroll's system, right? Like to a T. It just felt like we were doing something special. Now, pair that with Callahan's offense. I don't know. I think there had been a chance that oh, yeah, it yeah. could have been really well. I also do think with Pelini's personality that it would have it could have turned into like you remember when like the this would have been nuts a bad thing, but the the Bears in the eighties with Buddy Ryan and Mike Ditka, it was like offense versus defense, not like yeah, not not friendly, like hostile almost, right? Like it could have maybe went down one of those roads, but I also think it could have went a lot better for Callahan if he would have had Pelini in his staff. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like you're misconstruing. Like, I think it would have been, I think the, the hard part is it's not an apples to apples conversation because, like, Pelini was a defensive coordinator and, and was never, elite at it. Like, and he had never, but he had never coached it to him. What Mickey is doing now is like, he's getting a whole season. A season I mean, he's, an audition. he's getting a full season. He's got a Big Ten season audition. So for him, it's like if it's it's either he's gonna to me though, I think it will be clear. I think he'll either win a lot or he'll will win one or two. I wonder like Trev would never say that like it would help Trev out if it was obvious. If it's four and four, if they go (laughs) if if they're sitting at five wins, if they go five and seven and he wins four of these four of these last eight games. If he goes four and four, if he goes four and four in the big ten. What do you what do? do you do? Now it maybe depends on what else is out there, you know, like who else you could get, all those kinds of things, what the four and four looks like, all those kinds of things. I'm simply saying, as I was kind of thinking about this, like it could create there could be a weird dynamic created. Cause when I'm watching those players at jump up and down, chant Mickey, like I also think they are just Nick, I they're think probably so happy they're to win. They're happy to right. win too. Right. So I think we I think there's nothing wrong with what Trev did. To me, he's oh, excited. Yes, he's yeah. like there's he doesn't need to play like cold guy up here. I can't be happy for Mickey. And even if like in the end he's not the guy, he doesn't have to show his cards now or not show his cards. I think it's fine to do what he did. Um I do think with Mickey, the, the like I say, the gray spot is if he does better than average but not great but yeah so okay so now we can we really want to go down a path here um if we don't find if it's an average but we don't find there isn't a the home guy, guy like what do you do then then is is it a safer play to like give mickey a chance to do it 
even if it's like Mickey, we're gonna give you another year or two. That's right. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because that's like because there is a chance at the end of the year where Mickey is the best option. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like if we don't have like you name the Dave Aranda or I just the, throw it or Lance or, or Lance Leipold or, or whoever Leipold, yeah. Urban Meyer, whoever it is, right? Whoever's like the guy you want. Let's say you want that guy, and they just say, you know, I'm staying at Kansas. I'm staying at Baylor. I'm staying wherever in broadcast. Yeah. Then you don't have the guy you want, you know, or the the obvious choice. And Mickey does better than average here. You know, then then is it a better scenario to be like, like, let's just do a two year with Mickey. Like if the fans are happy, you know, like that stuff like matters. Like the fans yeah. are engaged with Mickey. That plays a big part. The, the, the product on the field has to match that though. Like yeah. these last these last seven games now still have to go. There still has to be a level of football and winning that has to take place. Yes. But I don't know. I just wrote all this stuff down, and I know this sounds like you know, all media guy trying to. I'm not trying to drum. I'm just simply like Nick, these are scenarios. These are you got to think about these scenarios now. We won the big the Big Ten West is open. So as crazy as that would have sounded last week, the losses from other teams and us winning, and we look, you know, we got three very winnable games, and then the you know November is going to be a tough month. Yeah. But like, if things get rolling into November. That com this conversation becomes a real thing that it's you real. have to think about, and I just it's it's interesting. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but of it's, it's a fun conversation to yeah. think about because this win that just we're talking about this Indiana win makes this conversation possible. Yeah, because if we lost this game, oh, this season if they, if this we're we're turning on the mic today and it's like this season's going nowhere it's going down the drains that's why i started the say, the whole conversation with like for any roadmap to making this thing interesting making this season have any hope and mickey having a chance of being the head coach you had to win this game well they did yep. and then you even couple it with the visual of trev genuinely excited for mickey gives him the game ball trev Trev is in there. You don't fight, jumping up and you down. You don't fight the mosh pit jump. You right. go with it. If it right. starts happening, a rule in life, you go with and it. And I like <laughs> that Trev did that because, like, I remember initially, like, I remember we were sitting here watching that press conference when Trev fired Frost, and and he he was basically asked about Mickey being the interim and and, and all that, and said, "Listen, I would love to see Mickey. Mickey's going to have a shot at this thing, and I'd love to see Mickey grow into being the head coach." And I remember at the time, I was like, ah, "I wonder if." You know, does he That's really real? That, that a I, real like, endorsement to me. Doing that, he, Trev is genuinely, sincerely considering Mickey Joseph as the next head. Coach. I would argue that type of expression is should be encouraging Mickey Joseph, like in the Absolutely. sense of like this guy is really giving me a chance, right? Because this isn't me, window dressing. This is this is a guy that is. He is pumping me up now. He's pumping me up to this team and the fans, which is that support. You, you, Bo, all this stuff. They, he knows the cameras in there, oh, yeah. and you have to know. People got to give the thumbs up on the thumb. Hey, hey, Trev, we taped that. Can we post it? Oh, yes, yeah. no. And Trev, being in broadcasting and a part of being an athletic director, is understanding optics and narratives. It's almost like you're in public office where you got to know everything you do, how it's going to land with your base or when that yeah. fan base and. You understand all of that, and so and he did it. So to me, it's almost like by handing that game ball, it is like, guys, Husker Nation, I am heavily considering this guy. Yeah. So just 
some, some things to chew on there. He, I, uh, he, I just saw that video. Opinion, and though, that's why I wanted to send it to you. I, I'm so glad you did because I didn't. I didn't. You know, if I'm not on Twitter, I didn't see it. But um, I think so. Make this makes Rutgers very interesting. Um, so it goes. Is it Rutgers? Rutgers, Purdue, Purdue by Illinois. Illinois. And then it's God, the he's then got it's a the, real opportunity. Here. Well, here's okay. He's got here, a real that schedule is here we go. in his favor. This is how I want to wrap this up. Kind of a broad takeaway, and it kind of builds off what we're talking about. I had to look this up, but it was Henry Ford. You're a history guy. A Model T assembly line. We will build an automobile to get us from point A to point B faster than any horse or any walking could do before us. No, Henry Ford had the quote of if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And I want you to think about this for a second. The story the players can tell themselves now, again, and all that matters is if you believe it, you being the players. The story they can tell themselves right now is, all right, we got a new head coach. Got a new defensive coordinator. We got a new defense. We've changed the way we practiced. We're tackling more. We finally had a bye week to get our uh, our legs underneath us emotionally and physically. And what happened? We just won a Big Ten game. And it was by far the best defense had, had, play, had played this year. And now you look at the Big Ten West standings and you go, oh, shit, it's a, we're, in a, we're in a tie for first place. All I'm saying is the recipe for seeds of confidence can get planted there. And right or wrong, you can kind of explain away the first four games of the season if you're a player right now. And to quote another guy that we know, Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption wrote in the letter to Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things. And I have to assume for the first time since August 27th in Dublin, Ireland, for the first time, hope is probably permeating throughout that locker room. And I have to assume this is for the first time in a month. Those guys are going to go to practice with a little bit of bounce in their step. You look at the Big Ten West standings, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, all tied at one and one. So I'm not saying or predicting that this team's going to go to Indianapolis, but confidence can get derived from a lot of different places. Confidence comes from preparation. Confidence comes results, but confidence can also come from the tale you tell yourself. And the one thing Mickey, I think, and the one thing you got to tip your cap to Trev, the moves to fire Frost and to fire Chenander give an opportunity for the players to tell themselves a different tale. That's it. And they just. And now they finally had one result. They got a win. That that works. So all of a sudden, the preparation is different. Preparation, confidence. The result is different. Results equal confidence. And the tale that they can tell themselves is different. Yeah, that's another way to that's gain well confidence. Said. Wow, that's well said. You you thought you thought that out. I thought day. that out. It's pretty good. But um, that's a- I, I couldn't Nick just they've finally seen themselves win a Big Ten game. It, it's been since Northwestern last year. Think about 300, 300 some day, three hundred sixty some days since yeah, they beat an they, FBS team. They just kept like so. 
this gives them an opportunity to get on a win streak, which we've never, like we keep talking about, like we kept saying, can we get in a three game win streak and right. see what happens to our fans and to our team? We don't know what that's like. These guys, this is the first step. Like you have to take baby steps. They took the baby step, but you, you, you said, right? Like the sacrificing rolling a couple heads, changing things up gives them the ability to, to be like, okay, well now we get a, a fresh start, a new perspective. And here's the result. We're a new team, right? They, they, they can, can kind of tell them tell yeah. as much as again, as much as that may not be true. And as much as they still are the same team that gave up 642 yards to George Southern and the same team that all the this defense stuff, doesn't think that tomorrow. The defense though. doesn't think that <laughs> when, when they walk into practice tomorrow, that goes, shit doesn't matter. Say, hey, just line up, play your job. We're going to be fine. They'll start telling themselves that. And the one thing that is that is always great about one of the things I love about college basketball is the hope that March gives everybody, regardless of what had happened leading up to that. Yeah. You still have an opportunity to play your way into the big dance. And I think the same thing could be told right now for Nebraska. They can sit there and go, all right, we may have lost to Northwestern, but we just beat Indiana and Wisconsin's 0-2. And you know what? And Georgia, Southern, Oklahoma are non-cons. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't. It like, doesn't. At this point, you just got to go to Rutgers on Friday and win. And you got to go to Purdue and win. And you got to get a bye week. You got to rest up. And you got to host Illinois, who's playing great, and you got to win. But they're Illinois. They're not Michigan. Like, right. Illinois was a team we would probably most want to play to start this year. So, yeah, Illinois just beat Wisconsin, so maybe I should reel that back in. But still, like, those three games are your three most winnable games, if we would have said at the start of the year. Like, those coming up games, which means, like, you could get the lead. You could be in the Big Ten West if you just play good football and then you put though the pressure on the other teams on the on the Minnesotas, the Iowas and the Wisconsins in November. Then it becomes Nick, the pressure's on them for the first time in a decade. Yeah, well I mean you can you I'm just saying there's a path here. Again, I yeah, do I such, think No, I know. But I'm like, saying like we just did it again. Well no, I'm saying like if 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 I had to bet either bet on this or bet against it, I would have bet against it happening. Yeah, you got to bet. But I'm just saying there is now a legitimate conversation. What a difference a week makes. There's now a legitimate conversation for Nebraska to be playing meaningful games in November. The see, it's really the seat. Like all that matters in the end is how you do in the Big Ten. That's that's really what being the Big yes. Ten football is about, right? So we are even with every team in the league. And and I'm telling you, so just think about all those things you can tell if you're Mickey or your players right now. Why go to work hard? Why prep? Why watch the extra film? Why do the extra drill? Because guess what? It's we're Gu in it. Guess who is first tied for first in the Big Ten West? Nebraska. You know, you can say we are. It's and it's, then you go. It does. It shakes up your whole way of looking. If you are out of it for the year, you go like you're done. You're just not going to prepare. I just you know, kids. Human yes. nature says we're not going to work as hard. Well, we once that's what I'm saying. Once the chances of any sort of hope of anything interesting with whether it be a bowl game, a Big Ten West race, whatever, gets removed, and the coaches are probably dead man's walking, man, the, it was going to get sad. And listen, yeah. that story can still become a reality. You go to Rutgers, get your teeth kicked in, you go to Purdue and lose, and then you go lose to Illinois, November gets dramatically less interesting. But the opposite is true. And again, if I had to bet on it, I'd bet against it, but I'm saying it's possible. That's good. It is possible. So 
what a difference or what a, what a difference a week makes. I can't believe one of in our wine pod. One of our first topics I threw at you is, do you care about these last eight games? And now listen to us, not only because of the fact that they won, the fact that defense took steps forward, but then the, but the, what the, the rest, rest of the West did. I'm telling you, Minnesota getting beat is was huge. Huge. And Wisconsin losing. Yeah, Wisconsin's Wisconsin 0-2. Yeah, Wisconsin was showing signs of yeah, they're, struggle. They're, Iowa, obviously, they couldn't score. Right. But now they got beat. So it's like, man, like, dude, you couldn't ask for a better week. You really couldn't. Have. Right. So it, it'll be, I mean, because, yeah, you look around the West, man, and it's like Illinois crushed Wisconsin. has looked really good, but I don't think Illinois great. Illinois. I, Iowa offense still shaky. Purdue had a great road, road win, but, you know, I mean. We'll see what Purdue is. Minnesota yeah. dominated Michigan State, had dominated their opponents up until that point, but then looked very human against yeah. Purdue. And I'm not sure. I mean, Wisconsin, they lose to Washington State at home. They get crushed by Ohio State, and they get crushed by Illinois at home. You go, what's going on there? And then I think we all admit that Northwestern, even though they beat Nebraska, Northwestern's not very good. I don't know, man. I don't know what I am. I But we're, hey, we're back in it. We're back, That's baby. all that matters. That's we're it. We're back. That is, that is it. Anything else? Any parting shot or anything? anything that you – um nothing comes to mind but i think we'll if we think of anything we'll be wine pod we'll wine pot it up you guys can email any questions you got if you guys want to throw us some questions nick at nickbod.com if you got some questions you want us to to field uh this week when we're drinking some wine we can do that uh, uh maybe if anybody's got any questions on the 90s because i will be done with my chuck klosterman ooh. book uh, that you have also read and okay. that's something i want to talk about in the wine pot so okay questions about the 90. anything 90s not We're 90s the, Nebraska football, but 90s in general, other things. 90s, right? whatever, world, politics, uh, pop culture, music, yes. movies. We want it all because it's going to be some. Was there like a mini stuff. book club type thing here? Yeah, why not? We, if we it. ever read the same book, we're going to talk. That's about. what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, my friend. We will, uh, we'll see you in a couple of days for the wine pot. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.